This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby's on summer vacation. Good to be with you again today. It is the hot topic this week. Premier Doug Ford's proposed legislation to reduce the size of Toronto City Council from 47 to 25 members. In fact, the phone lines were so hot here yesterday on Fight Back, we couldn't get to all of your calls, so we're opening them up again to get your reaction to the proposed change as well as the way in which the change is being delivered. 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740. 4740. Now, Premier Doug Ford and opposition leader Andrea Horvath were verbally battling it out again in the Ontario legislature this morning before the whole question period got sidelined, and we will get into that as well. But this will give you the flavor of the debate, which at times is getting quite nasty. What this Premier has, uh, has not, I, I, I think, uh, acknowledged is what his decision is all about is election rigging. And anybody thinks that he gets to decide how to define a democracy really talks to, speaks to the issue of his belief in, uh, in being a dictator as opposed to... You know, just a month into the office and this Premier has revealed so much about who he is. He's, his word is worthless. His contempt for voters is on full display. He has no respect for municipal leaders. He's willing to trample on our democracy and he has abused his own office, the office of the Premier, just to take revenge on his political opponents. Why doesn't this Premier understand the difference between being a leader and being a bully? The people of Hamilton did not elect the leader of the opposition to protect a bunch of politicians' jobs in Toronto. We believe in streamlining the government. We believe in democracy. We're going to make sure that we get the city of Toronto, the dysfunctional city of Toronto, back on track. I love the fact that politicians and the ones that the leader of the opposition are trying to protect, they're trying to protect their little fiefdom. Yep. I, I can tell you one. I can tell you one thing. Did anyone in this room ever get consulted when they want to increase the politicians? No. The answer is no. The leader of the opposition believes believes in higher government, bigger government, higher taxes, higher higher rates. I think the leader of the opposition is worried about a couple things: Mike Layton and Joe Cressy. So that's how the situation has devolved at the Ontario legislature. And then even further, if you were listening to Bob Comsick's news at noon, there is an accusation by the governing PCs that NDP MPP Gilles Bisson made fun of the accent of PC MPP Khalid Rashid. 
Gilbisson is saying he did not do that. That is not who he is. Others in the legislature are saying they heard him do it. Uh, those include Vic Fideli. I'm wondering, and we have MPP Stephen Lecce on the line with us. He represents the provisional provincial riding of King Vaughn. First of all, Stephen, thanks for joining us. Jane, appreciate it. Did you hear this comment that Gilbisson is alleged to have made? Uh, Jane, I did not. However, everyone, at least near and by the front bench, particularly Vic Fideli, the Minister of Finance, sits literally across the way. Like, I, I mean, I can't be more direct. Literally across the way. The Premier of Ontario sits literally across the way. Because just for context for your listeners, Gilles Bisson sits beside Andrew Horvath, the leader of the Democrats. Those two members sit directly across. They audibly, clearly, and authentically heard him mock the member from Mississauga, East Cooksville, Khalid Rashid, a friend of mine, an individual who came to this country in 2004 from Pakistan seeking economic opportunity. The guy comes here, he's worked so hard, worked at BlackBerry in business, raising his family. And I just think, you know, we all make mistakes, but that is absolutely, you know, to put it politely, to put it kindly, you know, uh, disturbing that a member would mock and as I understand, using the accent of the individual, or at least attempting to imitate it, I think it's just unbecoming of a member and actually very disrespectful to Ontarians, particularly those who come from all walks of life, who've come to this country. So all we've asked for, I mean, I think it's not unreasonable, Jane, and look, I, I'll take the member in good faith. If you made a mistake, I'll accept the apology. But all we're asking for is an apology. But the NDP is defiant not to do that. And I'm trying to understand why they would not do that when so many government members clearly heard it. And I mean, this is not something you just make up. It's not something you can just ca- be casual about. I mean, we're talking about something that is serious and sensitive. And I think, um, uh, you know, we're asking the, uh, the member, uh, the, uh, the NDP House leader, we're asking the NDP leader, for that matter, to be principled and be reasonable and apologize to the member for offending him. And I would argue by extension, a lot of other people who probably have a similar story. I mean, my parents came to this country, you know, in the 50s and 60s, facing an element of, you know, um, discrimination upon their entrance and I, I don't want that that mentality intended or otherwise to ever manifest itself within our communities we don't want that we don't like that it's just unacceptable i think that's across party lines i think all parties agree with that premise i think now you're right yes the NDP I, to walk the walk right but do, do you understand the irony of what people in this province and in the city might be thinking about what's going on at the ontario legislature and find it ironic that the pc mpps are trying to uh, to reduce the size of Toronto City Council because it's dysfunctional. Right, and I think the common denominator, Jane, there is that the New Democrats at City Hall and the New Democrats at Queen's Park are ill-prepared to actually focus their time, energy, sweat, toil, and tears on things that matter to real people. We've been saying in the legislature, since we introduced the legislation on Monday, for the last two days, and certainly since Friday when we announced our intention to introduce it, this government ought to be focused on ways to improve efficient efficient increase efficiency the efficacy of government and conversely ensure there's greater accountability so that's what we're trying to do at a provincial wide level and we're certainly trying to do that in the city of toronto because the city of toronto is as you know governed by the toronto act which is provincial legislation the common denominator in the problem is self-interested politicians particularly new democrats who are ill-prepared to put broader taxpayer interests ahead of their own jobs i mean look i get it they want to protect their jobs their target audience for their message because twenty five councils of city hall who don't like doug ford but the people of this province are not you know lobbying government to expand more politicians more entitlements that is just not 
congruent with the reality on the ground. I mean, in my riding in King Vaughan, I live in a suburban riding Jane, lived there all my life. I mean, do you know many people? And I mean, I know it's not scientific, and I'm not suggesting we should point to this as gospel, but honest to God, Jane, tons of people, like random people messaging me, writing to me, coming up to me, and I'm not being facetious here, saying it's about time you cut those politicians. So I think we are on the right side of public opinion. It's well, uh, certainly, are saving for the taxpayer. I should add. I know, I, and I think what a lot of people are saying. If I could just play the diplomat here, is sure. they're they're saying yes, Premier Ford, you ran to run the province and you ran to make the Ontario government more efficient. I think what some people are feeling uncomfortable about is that he is unilaterally, along with uh, his representatives at Queens Park, making a decision on behalf of Toronto. Toronto's municipal government, and that the city residents, the taxpayers of Toronto, should have the option to weigh in, as Mayor Tory and the rest of the council has has recommended, through a referendum. I think the, the, the underlying challenge we face as a government is that we have a choice, given the very quick timeline. We were just elected, we were just, as you know, sworn in, I guess, a month ago. We've been sitting for, I believe, 11 days in the legislature, and of course the municipal election is right ahead of us in, in the fall. So we, by the nature of sequencing of events, must move quickly. We've taken a decision point that is rooted in not allowing the status quo to continue. And I appreciate um, you know, what you're saying, Jane, but I'm just trying to contextualize why we acted today or yesterday, really, to move forward. We were not prepared to sit idle for four more years while the city of Toronto it become, it continues to be dysfunctional in the efficacy of government. I mean, well, like, then what, me about, con- what about having a referendum, say, in the middle of August or, well, you know, two months out from the election, one month from now, let's have a referendum, and if the referendum goes in favour of, of Premier Ford's legislation, then when we all go to vote October 22nd, there are 25 wards. I would submit that the people of this province gave an unequivocal mandate to, to Doug Ford, the Premier of Ontario, who campaigned and who is well known within his own political convictions for a, for 10 or 15 years of being for limited, smaller, more effective government and fewer politicians. This is not a you know, random position taken by the Premier. It, is, it has been consistent. This was our mandate. I mean, we're doing this in everything we can across government and our agencies, and certainly within all the realms that the province regulates and manages and has authority for. That, ex- that includes, is not, doesn't preclude the City of Toronto, it includes it. So we're taking action to move in that respect. The cost of that referendum, and I mean, I appreciate, you know, you're suggesting that, and it is an option one con- the City of Toronto has uh, the right to propose it, but there's also, what they don't mention, is a $7 million cost for that action. We believe, in our judgment, in the constituents we represent, 12 members of provincial parliament from Toronto, as many from the New Democratic Party, I should add, but 12 MPPs, and for the folks in the GTA, we're all hearing the same thing. Move forward. There's no need to study. We actually have, you know, demonstrable evidence of inaction and dysfunction. I mean, an example is the Scarborough subway. I mean, Jane, just for context, you've got a lot of GTA residents, 10 times, 10 different iterations, that motion has come before council. 10 times it's been approved under different theatrical performances. Every member of, the le- of, the, of City Hall spoke on it. And yet, 10 approvals later, not a singular shovel in the ground. You know, last week they had 400 items on the agenda with 47 councillors. Yet, let, for example, Atlanta with 5 million people at 15 seats, or Los Angeles with 12 million people at 15 seats. So look, I, I'm But aren't there, there are sub-councillors, though, there are sub-councillors in some of these big American cities that you mention. 
So there, there is an, there are fifteen uh, councils. Well, we have regional council. We have, exactly. we, have reach, we have regional community councils in Toronto as well. You know, as you know, in some of the former legacy towns, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, bureaus of the city of Toronto. Right. But look, I mean, my point overall is that we must do more with less. That is an overarching philosophical okay. belief of the premier, and I really do believe in my conviction that we have to go forward. I mean, we just can't go back. Look, the, the, the alternative by the NDP is simply look. Bigger government is better government, and I would submit that is just premised in some, you know, uh, false narrative that, you know, more is better. And I would argue we ought to be delivering more investments in the front line. I'd rather move those $25 million into, you know, advancing social housing or uh, transit or infrastructure or things that people actually give a hoot about. Okay, but understanding. I'm not preserve political jobs because it's convenient for the NDP. I'm going to, we believe we're going to put taxpayers first, we're going to stand up for this, and we're going to get this bill passed. Okay, and understanding that you do have to go, uh, just one final question. What if there ends up being a legal challenge when council meets in that emergency session on August 20th? Well, you know, I'm not going to comment on speculation or hypotheticals. I understand the city has intimated they will move forward with that. We'll react when they do. Mm-hmm. I think the bottom line is we feel confidence in the legislation. We believe it is merited. When you have Frank Scarpetti, mayor of, Miss, uh, of Markham, for, and, a, and, you know, a well-known liberal, I will add, but a very decent man, and, and, and former member of Parliament, Bonnie Crombie, the current mayor of Mississauga, when you've got the regional chair of York Region, all saying, people on the left and right, when you've got, um, I believe the gentleman's name is um, uh, uh, Glenn uh, uh, the bear maker. The bear maker, yeah. that's right, uh, who's a new Democrat. You know, when you've got people on the left and the right saying, look, this is common sense, get it done, I do believe, uh, in my estimation, Jane, that we're on the right side of history, when we're bringing people together who actually are prepared to put the public interest ahead of their own self interest. And I would argue government at all stripes, at all parties, at all levels should embrace that spirit. And I think under Doug Ford, we're going to continue doing that uh, aggressively because taxpayers gave us the mandate to do it. Okay, Stephen Lecce, thank you for your time. Thanks so much, Jane. Have a good day. MPP Stephen Lecce uh, for the provincial riding of King Vaughn. He is part of the Doug Ford Progressive Conservative government. Now to your calls, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And we are going to get to the other side of the argument here again today with Toronto City Councillor John Campbell. First, though, let's go to Brian in Mimico. Brian, uh, it's your turn to have your say. What a zoo. The way things are going in Queen's Park, that's the sort of thing that goes on at City Hall. If you've got 44 or 47 uh, councillors arguing, they've all got their own little agenda. They want to get on that camera. And I think one of the worst things they ever did is putting cameras in Parliament and in Council and everything else, because they're playing to the cameras instead of sitting down, knocking down, getting the job done. It just turns into a big show. And it's just getting worse year after year, especially since Trump came into office. The left thinks nothing about arguing about every single nitty detail there is. Something has to be done. Brian, uh, yes? The... uh, the question uh, about Council. You know, the uh, referendum. Yes. That sort of thing. Well, naturally they say, well, we'd like to hold a referendum during the election. But, of course, after that, you're going to have 47 councillors. Right. I'd like to get that done beforehand. Well, that was what I, I was suggesting. What everybody thinks. Okay. Not just downtown. Okay. Let, and we'll talk to John Campbell about that as well and take more of your calls in just a moment. 416-360-0740. Toll free 1-866-744-740.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Great to be with you while Libby is enjoying her summer vacation. We have heard the pros from MPP Stephen Lecce. Now we'll go to Toronto City Councilor John Campbell, who is against Premier Doug Ford's proposed legislation to reduce the size of council by almost half. Thanks for joining us, John. Nice to be here. How viable is it what council decided yesterday to get this legislation turned back, either through legalities or through trying to convince Premier Ford to take it to a referendum? Well, I don't think I, I think it's probably 90 percent that this is going to go through. So I'm planning accordingly. Uh, I don't know that the legal challenge has any chance of succeeding. And uh, whether or not Premier Ford will change his mind in the face of some considerable opposition is hard to tell. So you're saying you're moving forward as if the legislation is going to pass and there will be no legal challenge. That's right. And what does that mean for you in your bid for re-election? Well, it means I have to finish working on my ward and start thinking and turning my attention to another ward um, that's I've been outside of my jurisdiction for the last four years. Now, when, you, when we talk about um, the councillors who are against this change, of which you are not one, uh, how what are they fighting or are they coming up against less opposition than the councillors uh, who are arguing that this change is not going to be beneficial for council and for the city? So, I mean, in terms of the feedback that I've received in my office, it's about 50-50. Some people think it's a great idea. We don't need that many councillors. Some people think that it's a real affront to democracy. So I can only gauge from you know the standpoint of the feedback that we've had. It's been considerable. My personal view is that it's not good for governance. It won't be good for the city of Toronto. And uh, having a councillor responsible for a number of residents the same size of the provincial boundaries means that we'll have much less contact and personal interla- interaction with our residents. And that's, I think that's a concern. And I think one of the biggest problems, though, is it's a big, complex city. You know, and it's not just the city divisions. There's Toronto Hydro, Toronto Parking Authority, the TTC, the Zoo, Toronto Region Conservation Authority, there's the municipal theatres. We, we provide oversight on all of those uh, organizations as well. And if you take 19 councillors out of the mix, you're going to have a lot less input from your public officials on how these organizations are run and, how they, and most importantly, how they spend money. You know, I'm a fiscal conservative, and I don't want to see the bureaucrats running the show. And interestingly, uh, this pro and con situation is not divided so much by uh, political philosophies, is it? Because you've got Glenn DeBearmaker, who is uh, pro uh, in favor of Premier Ford's decision, and you have people like yourself, as you mentioned, you're a fiscal conservative and you're against it. Well, listen, my, my concern is good government. And, you know, one of the things I, I sort of shopped around at City Hall was the idea of cutting the amount of speaking time that people can have. And I wish I, I wish they had they, more people had been willing to do that, because that's one of the reasons why City Hall has such a bad reputation. There are certain councillors, and I won't name them, and they want to stand up on every darn issue and give, give us their viewpoints and ask questions. And that's what drags council out and makes it seem dysfunctional. As far as it being dysfunctional, it's yes. not dysfunctional. We really get to we get to the end of a debate at some point in time, and votes are taken, and, and progress on government is made. Why is Premier Ford saying it's dysfunctional then? If you actually are accomplishing your agenda every time you sit down to meet, I mean the days may go longer, but ultimately you are getting through the agenda. 
Oh, listen, absolutely we're getting through the agenda. You know, the, I guess he feels it's, it's dysfunctional because you watch, you watch it on TV. He sat down there. He was down there for four years. And I know. I know exactly the type of people that drove him crazy. They're probably the same type of people that drive me crazy. And I, I think he, wants to, he, he wanted to put an end to that. But I don't really understand why he focused on Toronto. I mean, I'm sure the same sorts of debates go on in Mississauga and in Markham and in Ottawa and in Hamilton. It's just that the cameras aren't around and the focus isn't on those particular city councils to expose them to the kinds of debates that they probably have that are similar to Toronto's. Okay. So now what are you hearing in terms of a legal argument? I know you're all getting back together again on August 20th after the city solicitor decides if there actually is a legal argument. Is there anything here? I mean, in terms of, I would think, uh, not coming from a legal background myself, but the fact that this is being imposed while the campaign is already underway, something feels wrong about that. Well, it, it, listen, it does feel wrong. And people signed up and put money down on the basis of the current ward structure, which is which. And one of the things I spoke of yesterday is that if you sign up for a ward over the course of three months, you can actually get to most of the streets. You can meet a lot of people. You can shake a lot of hands and knock on a lot of doors. Doubling the size of the wards makes that impossible. So people have signed up basically under false pretenses. And uh, now, I mean, the challenge ahead of them is, is just gargantuan, you know, these, when you have a provincial or a federal ward or riding that you're competing for, you have, you have a whole party behind you with, with party finances and volunteers. For somebody to come in and compete as an individual with this size of, of ward is going to be very difficult. Let's go to Joe in Mississauga. I want to get to some of our Zoomer radio listeners to weigh in on this proposal to reduce Toronto Council. It is the hot topic of the week. Let's go to Joe in Mississauga. How do you see the situation, Joe? Hi there. Yeah, I lived in Mississauga for 40 years. Never once I needed um, any speak with a counselor or anything, so I don't know how many normal residents need to speak to a counselor. How's that much? Mayor Hazel ran Mississauga great. Mayor Hazel endorsed Ford. So when Mayor Hazel speaks, people listen. People listen for Mississauga Mayor Hazel all their years that she was mayor, and she's the longest-standing mayor. So I don't understand What's the beef with Toronto? It's time to cut government taxes. All right, Joe, thank you for weighing in. John Campbell, what about that? Like, how many people are calling? How many constituents actually call their councillor looking for some help on a, a certain issue or matter? Well, I have to, listen, it happens all the time. And when I'm out knocking on doors, I mean, I, I would say about one in every ten that I actually see, they'll say, hey, listen, what about my road? What about the you know, the hydro wires and, and the trees being cut back or had, a, you know, the sidewalk or things of that nature. Or they might talk about, about larger issues such as transit. They're actually, they rarely talk about taxes. People rarely say that, you know, my taxes are too high because under, uh, under Tory, the taxes have been kept at a, at a very modest uh, level of increase over the last four years. So we listen. I mean, you can, if this chap would come into my office and see the number of emails that we get on a daily basis. I deal with a lot of them. We have regular communication with our constituents to let them know what's going on, and they weigh in. And we've got a, a regular, ongoing interaction. And 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 I'm in Etobicoke. I know that some some of the downtown wards, the interaction is much greater than it is than it is out here. You know, you go down to the beaches or. You know, you know, down to the beaches in certain parts of the city, people are very, very, very much uh, politically engaged. 
So what will this mean? I mean, we're talking about getting rid of 22 city councillors. Does that mean we also get rid of all of the staff or will some of that staff be moved around to the remaining 25 councillors? Well, I would say the the office support staff will be moved around. So if you have, you know, one councillor may, if they're smart, they'll hire some of the support staff from some of the other offices. I think uh, one councillor, uh, Josh Cole, actually said that you're probably going to see councillors setting up regional offices now. So you're going to see more more of that going on. And there's an added cost to that. You know, rather than being downtown, they're going to set up a little office out in, out in the wards if there's only 25, just as the MPPs and the MPs do. So, you know, hand in hand with that goes added cost. Stephen, one That's final cool. question. Uh, some of your colleagues say that Premier Ford's plan will cost and not save taxpayers money. Would you agree with that? Well, that's what I actually said, because I feel that the oversight of the City of Toronto is going to be greatly diminished, and it's going to be just harder to keep budgets in line if you don't have councillors asking tough questions. Well, I appreciate your perspective on this matter. Um, We'll see how things roll out with the city solicitor and what comes back on August 20th, whether there actually is any legal recourse for the City of Toronto, and wish you well on your campaign. Thank you. Time will tell. Great to speak with you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.